Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So there's an old navigation technique called dead reckoning. And it helps us figure out where, where we're at on on the trail or perhaps out, out on the water. I don't know where, where the name comes from. It's called Dead Reckoning. But essentially, uh, you need to have a fixed point. You need to have a little bit of data to help you out. And you also need to rely on maybe uh, this equation you learned in middle school or high school. Distance equals rate times time. If anybody remembers that, that one. Uh, if you have a little bit of data and you use this equation, you can figure out where you need to go. You can figure out how long it's going to take you to get somewhere. It's called dead reckoning. So I'm going to give you an example here real quick. All right. Let's say we're out on the trail and I see a sign that says two miles to the parking lot. And, you know, that's my fixed Point. Okay, that's my data. That's my fixed point. Two miles to the car. Two miles to the parking lot. All right. Now we have to do some math. If I average a three mile per hour pace, you do the math. It should take me about forty minutes to get back to the car. And they call this dead reckoning. Again, I don't know where that name comes from, but that's that's the technique. Today with GPS and and you know cell phone service and all of that. We're not doing math like the way we used to. Uh, our navigation devices are, are helping us out greatly. But whether you do it on the trail or, or out on the, the water, this is subject to error. There's, you know, drift and wind and, and all of that. Or it might be two miles to the car, but it might be two miles up a mountain. You know, that's, it's going to take you longer. <laughs> you know, you have to factor in these, these, uh, these other variables there. But... It's, an, you know, it's, it's a good tool to help you estimate, to help you in your journey. We need this fixed position in order to reckon, to consider, to calculate our journey. And you know, our Christian walk is not a blind faith because we have the gospel. We have a fixed position that, that, that we look back in time to, to the cross and resurrection of Jesus, that provides a fixed position in history. A fixed position. It's, it, it is truth. It is, it is fact. It's, it's, it's historical. And, and for us, you know, yeah, we're, we're influenced by others, pastors, there's other teachers. We're influenced by what's popular. Culture gets in there. There's generational things. Each generation will emphasize different things. Things and we have different experiences, all these different influences, and everybody has that, that different journey and, and that different walk, right? But as we navigate, what's true for all of us is that we don't want to lose sight of the gospel. We must stay grounded in the gospel. When we lose our way, it's going to be the gospel, that fixed position that locates us or relocates us. And so as we navigate this wild life in light of our fixed position, we, we can know, hey, we know the truth. We, we know Jesus. We have this fixed position in Christ. And so today we're going to be considering our fixed position 
in Christ by taking a look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And out of this passage, I'm going to pull some identity statements for us today. Because when our identity is based on how God sees us, I believe we'll start to live like that. Because when we know the coordinates of the gospel, so to speak, when we know Christ, when we know the gospel and we are fixed in it, we get to claim these, these promises. We, we get to claim these, these statements, these identity, these identity statements. And so uh, here's just a, a brief overview. Today, we get to learn how to say this. I am immersed into Jesus' life. I am united with Jesus in his death. I have died to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. I was buried with Jesus. I am united with Jesus in resurrection. I am alive to God in Jesus. And as I thought about how to preach this message, I decided by way of personal narrative, if you don't mind, I'm going to preach this message through personal narrative. I'm going to read myself into the text, and I want to encourage you to do the same. Okay, the, the overarching application here today is I want you to consider these, these identi- identity statements that come from our Bible in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And so let, let's get started. I was five years old, and the Spirit was just working on my heart. Long, long time ago, five-year-old Cam somehow knew enough to go to my mom. I went to my mom, and I said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And I don't really remember too much what was going on back then. But I went to my mother and I said, I want Jesus. And she took me in to her bedroom and she prayed with me. I accepted Jesus. And as far as I know, that's, that's when I became a Christian. I said yes to Jesus. I became united with him. And then a few years later, I was baptized. I was seven or eight years old. And I was baptized. This public uh, display, this this. Baptism, it symbolized publicly that I was immersed into the life of Jesus, that, that I was united with Jesus. So this is a statement that we get to say. I am immersed into the life of Jesus. Baptism is the symbolic display of what's going on in the inner spiritual reality. I am drenched. In the identity of Jesus. I am soaked in the grace of Jesus. Christianity is not a fashion. It is a life. And you know, uh, the, the waters of, of baptism, they're, they're symbolic to, to entering into the life of the church. Baptism. Believe upon the Lord Jesus and be baptized. It's identification that you are one of God's covenant people. You know, at some point along the way in church history, church architecture, they, they put the baptismal font near the entranceway. Maybe some of you grew up in a more traditional church. Maybe you can, you, you remember this. You, you walk by a baptismal font on your way to do the church service. Okay. 
It's near the entrance. You walk by it. It's a, you see the waters of baptism, and it's, it's a reminder. It is a reminder that you are baptized. You are drenched. You are immersed, united into the life of Jesus. The, the baptism, it's, it's a doorway into the liturgy. The doorway into the life of the church. The life of Jesus. And to say I am baptized into Christ Jesus also means, you know, into his life. I'm also baptized into his death. Verses 5 and 6 of Romans chapter 6 says, We have been united with him in a death like his. Our old self was crucified with him. I am united with Jesus in death. I'm united with Jesus in death. And the, the Greek word here implies a planting together, or like a, a close entwining, or even a, a fusion here. That's, that's, the, that's what's going on behind the scenes. There, there is a fusion. Your jawbone, quick example. Your jawbone uh, is not one solid bone when you're born, but it actually fuses together. And when that fusion doesn't happen completely, that's where cleft chins come about okay but that that fusion that we get this word uh, synthesis this fusion that it comes from this greek word here when paul says i'm united with with jesus we are united with jesus we are fused actually fused together with jesus christ in his life also in his death i am united i am fused with jesus and death. And so I can go to another passage, Galatians 2.20, read myself into scripture. Cameron has been crucified with Christ and he no longer lives. And that's a really big thought to think about, that I've been crucified with Christ. Crucifixion is meant to kill. Three hours about Jesus was on the cross and then he breathed out his last and he died. Fused with Jesus in his life. I'm fused with Jesus in his death. Next, I have died to sin. I have died to sin. Romans 6 2. We are those who have died to sin. That's powerful. That's an identity statement. My old sin nature was put to death on the cross so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. The power and the penalty of sin that keeps me away from God forever, well, that was actually rendered powerless. And the reason I am dead to sin is because I have died with Christ. Now, one commentator says Christ's death for sin becomes our death to sin. I don't need to die for my sins. I don't need to die for my sins because Jesus has died for me. And even when I was dead in my sins, even when I was caught up and jumped, Jesus died for me. And by his grace, I am saved. Now, the sin nature uh, isn't totally eliminated yet. And a teacher named Jim Garrish uh, helped, off, helped me with, with this uh, illustration. You have to think of it like a, a snake. And I'm sorry if you don't like snakes. Plug your ears real quick. You know, chopping off a head of a snake, that snake head can still get you. Like, 
whether it's still responding to stimuli or it is actually still alive. Like, like Jesus cut the head of the snake off, but it's still wiggling. Be careful. It can still get you. Okay? But the trajectory is someday the power, the presence, the penalty of sin, it's all going to be wiped out of history forever. And I get to claim this. I am no longer a slave to sin. No longer a slave to sin. There's a Christian band that I like. They, they recently uh, stopped being a band. But they're called 10th Avenue North. They're from Florida. And they have this song called The Struggle. And there's a line in that song. They sing this. Hallelujah, we are free to struggle. We're not struggling to be free. And to be honest, I was a little slow when I first heard this song. When they were singing this, I'm like, what are they saying? We are free to struggle. We're not struggling to be free. But it's the truth. As, as Christians, yes, we still wrestle. We still have our struggles. But there is a big difference. We're not struggling to be free. Because Jesus has set us free. So let's be reminded that the name Israel means wrestle with God. Struggle with God. And as a Gentile, I'm grafted in. Jesus has bought my freedom with his blood. Ultimately, my broken ways will not rule over me forever. For we we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And the last time I checked, dead people can't sin. And so that's that's a, that's an identity thing that, that Paul is teaching me, teaching us to, to think about. It's an identity thing. I'm fused with Jesus, death conqueror. Death has no mastery over Jesus. Jesus is master. Death can't claim me anymore. Yes, I will physically die someday, but spiritually... No, I belong to Jesus. I'm not in death's country anymore. I think it was about year two when we moved out here. We got a bill from the county that we used to live in. And this county said we, we owed taxes. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, we were already living here. Again, this was like year two or year three. Like, we were already here longer than a year. The old county can't claim me anymore. Okay? Death cannot claim me. I belong to Jesus. I am already claimed by Jesus. I'm united with Jesus in his death. I have died to sin. I also get to say I was buried with Jesus. So let's go back to this metaphor of, of baptism real quick. You know, when I was baptized, uh, it, it was done by immersion. Uh, when I went down into the watery, the watery depths of, of baptism, it's like I was going down into the grave with Jesus. I was submerged into the grave with Jesus. Romans four, uh, excuse me, Romans six four says we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, and. Sometimes, you know, we read this scripture, we don't really think about these, how, how it affects our identity, but, but think about this, like being buried with somebody, 
That can be such a powerful statement to be buried with somebody. They, you might know the story of the, the USS Arizona, Pearl Harbor, one of the ships that, that got hit, and it went down in like nine minutes. And I believe it was like 900 or, or 1,000 sailors, soldiers, they, they went down nine minutes, and they were gone. And, and there were a few survivors of the Arizona. And a number of them, they, they, are, they, like, they made a commitment that, hey, when I die, bury me in the Arizona. And so they, they would be cremated. A, a scuba diver would actually take an urn. And they, they are uh, interned into the Arizona. You know, carefully placed somewhere in, in that ship. They, they are buried with the Arizona. Even though they survived, it's like they already knew I'm buried with the Arizona. That is a statement. That is an identity statement. We, we are buried with Jesus. My, my spiritual self was buried with Jesus. I have died, and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3. 3. I've died buried with Jesus, but I don't stay in the grave, the grave. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. I am united with Jesus in resurrection. I will rise again to new life. I have this fixed position 2,000 years ago. I look to the cross and the empty tomb. It is there in history. That is my fixed position. That is my data. That's my coordinates. I have this fixed position. I also have another fixed position. If sometime in the future, I will rise again. I will have a bodily resurrection. More data. Talk about dead reckoning. I have a living hope. I will experience a body res- resurrection. A bodily resurrection. And so, resurrection, it is this Trinitarian moment where, where the Father raises the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, He lived, He went to the cross, He suffered, He was rejected, He took on our sin, He took on our, our shame. Resurrection is the evidence of God's vindication of our executed Jesus. Okay? Jesus is not in His Tomb. It's evidence to me that Jesus wasn't just a really good teacher, that, that Jesus wasn't uh, just a, a, a nice guy, a false prophet with some really fancy scam and scheme going on. No, resurrection shows me that what Jesus did on the cross, it was good, it was enough, it was sufficient. Resurrection shows me that physical death is not the end of the story. There is life after death, or better better yet, there is life after life after death. And I don't have to wait until the afterlife to start truly living. The divine power that brought, brought Jesus back to life, that is available to me right now. And I believe the gospel... This power, this supernatural power, it has the power to change hearts. That the kingdom of God does break in, the kingdom of God does come near, and it reorients 
our hearts. It reoriented my heart and continues to do so. And a prayer that I pray and I encourage you to pray too is help me to see with with these kingdom eyes, with these resurrected eyes, Jesus. Help me to see what, what you see, these eyes that are now alive. They were dead, but now they're alive. Jesus did die. He died once, but he's alive and he will not die again. Romans 6, 10 to 11 says this, the death he died, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what this means, as I learned from Paul here, is I get to consider myself in this same way. I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin, and, but, but alive to God, now in harmony with Jesus, I get to say, I am alive to God and Jesus. If you are in Christ, know it to be true that God has made you alive. So dear Christian, look back to the gospel. Look back to the cross and the empty tomb. I know Easter's in April this year, April 17th. Can't wait for it. It's kind of an Easter message, but remember Easter. We are Easter people. Look back to this fixed position in history and know that you are alive. You have this fresh start by the Holy Spirit. We do have liberation from the greatest oppressor ever, death. We're alive because he's alive. And resurrected Jesus is alive and he's enthroned and he is Lord of heaven and earth. And Jesus is Bringing his kingdom. He's establishing his kingdom. And a large part of that is he is working through our hearts. He's working in our lives. Jesus is breaking in with his kingdom. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. Turn to God and keep believing the good news. And so the question is, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? This long life journey of understanding now, what, what does it mean? What does it mean now to be alive? Oh, we keep learning. We keep discipling. We keep worshiping. We get to tell the world, hey, Jesus is alive. There's a different way to live. He has a different kingdom. It's, it's really opposite of what we see in the world. This upside down kingdom. There is a countercultural way to live. There is a different way to live. It, 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 is a, it is a kingdom. It is a lifestyle that is not of this world. And guess what? It is breaking into people's lives. And there's power there. There's power and there's purpose. And it's changing lives. It's changed my life. Change my life. And it becomes our message. It's our mission. It's our message. We want to tell the world about it. Jesus is alive. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. And he died for the sins of everyone. 
for every single nation, every person. Jesus died for them. And it's okay. It's okay if you're not an evangelist in the, in the formal sense. But at base level, and this is where it's so important to understand your, your gospel identity. This is, this is your foundation. And you get to build your Christian walk, your discipleship, your evangelism, your, your mission, your, your purpose. What God has called you to do. Your life in, in the life of the church. Our gospel identity. We are alive in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our solid rock. When our identity is based on how God sees us, I truly believe we'll start to live like that. What's our identity? We're alive. We're alive. I, I think of the, the Winter Olympics. All right, Just imagine this, this cross-country skiers, long distance. Man, what a workout that must be. But like, just imagine like coming in and you win gold. And you have such a big accomplishment, and you just broke a record. You just made gold. What a feeling that must be. You're alive. But the thing is, with, with Christi- Christianity, with being marked by Christ, it's not about what we do. It's all about what He did. Jesus, Jesus won gold for us. We're alive because he's alive. It's all about what he has done. We are alive. We get to have that that rush. We are alive, church. We're alive. If we were like, you know, getting ready for a football game or something, like like it's almost like that, that locker room pep talk. We're alive, church. We're spiritually alive in Christ. We're alive. We're alive. We're alive. That that is our identity. That is our foundation. That is our, our solid rock. And again, when we start to believe when we know this is our identity. This is how God sees us. What would it be like if we really lived that out? The fears that would melt away. I'm not saying life gets easier, but it, it's that it's that inner identity, that, that inner strengthening. We're alive. And we get to tell others. They can be alive too. What a time to be spiritually alive. Awake and alive. What a time to tell the world about hope. To have relationships and point people to good news. What a time to be alive. To carry out God's redemptive mission for the world. So tonight I invite all of you to come back. 6.30 p.m. Right over here in the gathering place, we have Missionary Fellowship Night. Because what's, what's our mission? It's to tell people that Jesus is alive. And that there's hope. And that there's freedom. And, and all, the, all the tangles can be untangled. There's, there's freedom. There's liberation. There's Jesus. He's here. He's alive. And He can change your heart, you can change your life. That is our mission. To tell people about Jesus, to shape our lives around Him. We believe that the best life runs through the life of Jesus. And so, our, our purpose statement here at Plymouth Meeting Church is to know Christ and make Him known. I'm an advocate of simple church. We don't need to make things complicated. 
Jesus gave us one mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so tonight, we get to talk about that. How can we make disciples locally? How we can make disciples abroad? This is our mission. God is breaking in his kingdom. He is redeeming people. He is changing lives. And he continues to do it. Let's, let's pray.